Thank you for joining us for episode 383 of Live Happy Now. We're observing World Gratitude Day on September 21st, and for that special occasion, we wanted to bring in a very special guest. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and this week I am so excited to be talking with renowned cinematographer, director, and producer, Louis Schwartzberg. Louis is best known for the stunning imagery he creates using time-lapse photography. In films like Fantastic Fungi and the 3D IMAX film Mysteries of the Unseen World with National Geographic, he has shown us the beauty of the world in ways we've never seen before. And now with his new film, Gratitude Revealed, he has created an immersive, awe-inspiring experience that takes us inside the human spirit to explore the wonder, beauty, and joy of gratitude. Louis, thank you so much for being a guest here of Happy Now. It's an honor to be here with you, Paula. Your film is so thoughtful and so beautiful, and it's such a natural fit for us. One of the things that impressed me about it is you said that this is a film 40 years in the making. So tell me what that means. Actually, I think it's my whole life, but 40 years in the making, I've been like sort of collecting these like little nuggets, little magic moments with remarkable but ordinary people on topics like courage, creativity, connection, love, all the little values that add up to gratitude. And during the pandemic, I wasn't able to go out and film. So it was a perfect time to kind of assemble all these pieces. And I think it's really timely that it's coming out now because what the pandemic has taught us is the fact that we're, we took for granted things like being able to have dinner with friends and family. This whole idea of connection was something we never really thought about. And so there's a lot of despair and disconnection now because of the pandemic, because of politics, because of the you know, environment. I think what we need to do is use gratitude as a baby step to get us going in the right direction. Absolutely. And what impressed me, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this, it's not just the depth of the journey, but the breadth of it, like the way that you brought in all these different components as part of gratitude. There are things we've talked about in Live Happy. You know, we talk about compassion. We talk about kindness, never really connected them to gratitude. So that's what impressed me so much. It's like each of these are individual themes. Like I could have you on for every theme and it would be its own standalone. So how did you make that connection of all roads lead back to gratitude? It was just intuitive. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with observing nature, which I love to film. Part of it, I think, has to do with growing up with parents who were Holocaust survivors and learning how to appreciate all the little things in life, you know, food on the table, a roof over your head, a steady job, the miracle of having children. Those were all things that created like heaven on earth for them. So I've always been very conscious of just being grateful for the little things in life. And again, I think with filming nature, what I've really learned a lot is that beauty is nature's tool for survival because we protect what we love. And we're hardwired to do that. So I don't read a lot of books. I'm not an expert in positive psychology. I think it's good that I can sort of, you know, have my own context, my own takeaway. And actually, I'm inviting the audience to do the same thing in watching a movie. I think if you notice, Paula, there's nobody in a movie that tells you how to live your life or what Mm -hmm. to do. You're just observing other people as examples of courage or creativity or wonder. And it's up to you to create that connection. It's up to you to integrate that into your life. 
And I think it's important that people kind of have to use a muscle or lean into something and to really figure it out on their own. And you gave so many different entry points into gratitude. It was just astounding the way, you know, that you march out all these different themes, you know, whether it's compassion or curiosity, which I just would not have thought of as a component of gratitude and, and the way that you tell these stories. How did you find all these different stories? Because you take us in a lot of amazing different places. Well, it's a great question. I mean, I think that it's kind of funny, but like after I sort of put together the outline for this and I've looked at a couple of self-help books, I noticed the chapters were similar (laughs) to the sequences I wanted to have in the movie. So maybe it's just like, you know, it's sort of out there that everybody kind of, you know, looks at it this way. But when it came to like looking at a topic like courage, I knew about the blind ice climber. I did a story about him. The Cliff Dancers, another story about courage and overcoming fear. I try to also look at, tell stories that are visual so that they're interesting. It can't just be like somebody who sits behind a desk and the computer all day and, you know, learns how to be courageous by writing something bold. It's got to be visual. They're both valid, but it's got to be visual. And so those are the stories I love to tell. But as I mentioned, because my parents were Holocaust survivors, I love to tell stories about people who overcome adversity, but have hope and love and joy in their life. And I'm sure with the podcast that you do, you talk to a lot of experts how these values create resilience. Mm -hmm. And with resilience, you're able to overcome tragedies or suffering or little minor moments in your life. Somebody could have just scratched your car. That could be like a bummer for some people that would last a couple of days. For other people that practice gratitude, it's no big deal. You know, you bounce back. And I think in nature, I learned the same thing, you know, Plants that are overwatered don't do as well as plants that are like stressed. You bounce back quicker if you've had a little bit of adversity in your life. Yeah. And you tell that story very well when you talk about, was it Jack Cornfield that was talking about learning in the monastery that it's not, you know, the good times that build your strength. It really is the adversity. I love the fact that he goes, you know, you're right that, you know, and you don't have to you know, pray for suffering, it will come. I know. I, I thought that was really interesting because when he said like the monks pray for suffering, I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I know, but don't worry about it. You don't have to pray for it. It will come. <laughs> it's it's and, there and it's, for you. And those challenges are what shape you and what make you a better person. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. as you put this together, did you already have all these segments filmed and then you had to stitch it into a contiguous story? Yeah. I had a lot of them filmed because I've been doing this over a number of years, again, attracted to these little stories that highlight these values. And then there are thought leaders that I interviewed recently that helped me kind of create the context or the introduction to that particular thing. So people that I know that have been on your podcast, Jack Hornfield, Christine mm-hmm. Carter, Michael Beckwith, and even odd people a little bit like Norman Lear and Brian Grazer and but these are people that created a little bit of, of an entry point. But I didn't want it to be a bunch of like thought leaders strung mm-hmm. together because you could certainly say, well, this is sort of an elitist movie and people in middle America wouldn't maybe relate to it. I've got people in the deep South. I got people in red states, you know, and I want us to be able to be able to look at those folks and go, what can we learn from them? 
Yeah. Yeah. And it was such a delight. Like Norman Lear pops up on the screen. And I'm like, really? Like, I just didn't expect that. And then I loved how you talked about humor and laughter and how important that is. And his story was then so compelling of how he developed humor as basically a character strength that he uses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the stories are just so well told. And then as to your point, you have people who are struggling and were it not for you would never make it onto a film screen. So of all the stories that you told, was there any one that resounded most with you? You're not supposed to have favorite children, I understand. I know. I think they're all beautiful. The one with Minnie Yancey, she was the rug weaver in Appalachia. This earth mama, this Appalachian earth mama, you know. I love that one a lot because she came up to me. I was at a gas station trying to figure out where I was going to tell a story about coal miners. So she approaches me and she goes, you look a little lost. You're not from these parts. I go, well, I'm about to shoot the story about coal miners. And she goes, what's your name? I go, Louis Schwartzberg. And she goes, well, if I were you and you're going up in those hills, I'd say your name is McCoy or McClintock. <laughs> and, you know, she had this kind of twinkle in her eye. And I asked her what she did. She said she's a rug weaver. I said, well, I come back down after the coal miner story. I'd like to come by and film you. So I did research that. She found me. I filmed her. And I think it's one of the most powerful, poignant moments in the movie when she's weaving her rug, looking out of the window, talking about how she, you know, needs to separate the wheat from the chaff and her thoughts. And she works in rows, just like he does out there with the tractor, going back and forth and saying that I need to learn self-discipline, you know, because nobody tells that guy to go wake up eight o'clock and go to work. I need to learn that. It was just like so poetic. You know, and the way she she explained that. Yeah, that was an incredible story. Yeah. And she found me. So I love the serendipity of it. That's why I think it's one of my favorites. Plus, I got to drink moonshine with her (laughs) as the crew was rapping. That was like the most hallucinogenic alcohol I think I've ever drank. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm experiencing a tremendous emotion of gratitude. I mean, you can't buy a ticket to sit on the porch with the Appalachian woman at twilight, hearing the crickets, drinking homemade moonshine. How do you ever get that? Yeah, you can't sign up on like Airbnb or no. something for, <laughs> for that kind how, of experience. How lucky am I? How grateful am I that I got to experience that? That's so amazing. And as you went through your footage, were there <laughs> things that you really wanted to include that you weren't able to? Because, you know, there's a finite amount of time you can spend on screen. For sure. The answer to that is certainly yes. And you have to make hard choices, you know. And I think what I tried to do was once I nailed a certain value, topic, sequence, all the same thing in this particular film, I just needed to move on. But I'll tell you what the fun part was in the editing. If all of these values like curiosity, happiness, mindfulness, focus, connection, energy, creativity, courage, I'm going down the list here, generosity. If all of these values add up to gratitude, how do you sequence it? Because in a way, it's like there are a bunch of gears and they can interlock from one to the other in a number of different ways. So it was kind of a, a challenge to figure out the most elegant way to go from either creativity to curiosity or curiosity to wonder and creating those bridges where one tied into the other. But basically, it's like all these gears that all fit each other. That is this like pyramid that goes up to gratitude. 
Yeah. And it flowed together seamlessly. It seemed very intentional as you watch it. It just feels like you're taking us on this journey and it's like, here's the next signpost. And so it didn't feel like there were no abrupt switchovers to like, all right, now we're talking about this. I appreciate hearing that, Paula, because I've always wondered like whether it's challenging for an audience to be able to go from this person to that person. The themes are connecting us, but I'm going from a cowboy to a cook. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, what the hell? <laughs> you know what I, mean? <laughs> I mean, for people that maybe are accustomed to more of a linear spoon fed experience, I think it's for me, like the joy is like, it's like hitchhiking across the country and then catching a ride with some guy in a truck and hearing his story and being dropped off at this other place and learning about that person, having this sense of serendipitous, random learning not anything that is prescribed for you, but is meant for you to to absorb. You know, that's the difference, I guess, between being a quote-unquote traveler and a tourist. When you visit a country, you want to get lost. You want to bump into people and not like everything's on an agenda. Right, right. And again, this just flows so well. As, As you went on this journey through the years of filming it, how did it change you? What did you learn most from the people that, that you interviewed? Well, what's interesting is that I'm always changing. And then the touchstone back to these moments have different meaning to me as I evolve and as I grow and as I go through different experiences. So I think that's the beauty of photography and filmmaking. It's like breadcrumbs, you know, that you leave on the trail And as you're on this journey of life and on this path, as you look back, it's a way to to measure how you've grown, right? Mm -hmm. Every time Mm -hmm. you look at an old photograph, right? Everybody does that. And oh, wow. And then, but you're different now. At one point, you were like a mom. And next point, you're a grandma, you know? And like, obviously, when you're looking at that photograph, you have a different emotional connection. So did you feel differently as you went through some of these things? Then I don't know what kind of time had lapsed from the time that you had filmed them and when you went through, but was it like revisiting old friends or what was that like? In a way it is, but, but my process is about capturing an emotion at the time that I film it. And then as time progresses, like when you're in the edit room and you're shaping the dialogue, you're adding music, effects, you're enhancing the emotion. So I'm always trying to enhance the emotion to make it stronger, to make it more powerful, to make it more meaningful. And that is how I think things evolve or change. I find other ways of showcasing that initial feeling, but I want that feeling to be more powerful. And as I get older and wiser, we learn how to do that, Yeah. right? Absolutely. There's something good about, you know, fine wine that is aged (laughs) as opposed to one that's just got picked, right? The gray hair has value. I love that part where you talk about age and wisdom and, you know, Norman there had some great way to frame it. He was just so eloquent in his description of our aging process and as was Jack Cornfield. And and so as we look at that wisdom, again, age and gratitude, not something we normally think about. But have you found that like that age has affected your gratitude practice? Totally. At the end, I think my final little voiceover statement is that 
Appreciation is what we feel in the moment. Gratitude is what we feel in our heart. So I think gratitude is a remembrance of that feeling of appreciation. Gratitude is when you look back to that Thanksgiving dinner you had with your friends and your family, especially when you couldn't have it you know, during this pandemic. Gratitude, I think, is that warm feeling that you can resurrect from a past experience. And for me, I think appreciation is what you feel in the moment. Yeah. And do you have a particular gratitude practice? You know, you've given a, a whole quiver full of <laughs> arrows here that people can choose from. Is there one that is most effective for you? Right. So I've been shooting time-lapse flowers almost nonstop for like four decades. So what I do in the morning is I usually wake up and I go to my little time-lapse room and I try to find out if the flower opened up and is it in frame and is it in focus and does it look beautiful? And if the flower isn't happening in my time-lapse room, certainly for everybody that's listening, going outside in your garden, seeing what happened in the garden overnight, like did anything pop up? Did anything die? I read the book about the blue zones. I'm sure you're familiar. Yeah, Dan Buettner. live a long time. Most people, they, they don't start their morning by eating breakfast. They go out and they garden. That's what they do. It's like you're nurturing things that are alive and you're helping them stay alive and you're trimming the things that are dead and it grounds you in a really beautiful way. So for me, that is the ultimate gratitude practice. I know that most people have also heard about the fact that you, if you have a journal and you write down three to four or five things, and we've got a book coming out that enables you to do that as well in conjunction with the movie. And that's a very obvious one. It's a good one. It's a great one. And studies have shown in the hospitals that people who journal heal faster. Mm -hmm. And my God, isn't that a gift that it can actually heal your heart, heal your body? It's just really a miracle. So tell us about the book that's coming out with it. Well, we have a companion book called Gratitude Revealed. And in it, there's a lot of the practices that we studied and collaborated with the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. So we've incorporated that along with a lot of the kind of the wisdom that came out of the movie. Oh, that's kind of, is it a journal type? Is it, how does it work? Part of it is like the journal, so you can have through exercises and practice. And part of it is also giving readers the background material. Like if you have purpose in your life, you live longer, mm -hmm. you know? And then there's a there'll be a link to that article if you want to be able to do a deep dive and really learn more about it. Oh, that's excellent. So this movie comes out at a time when what well, we need gratitude. We need peace. We need gratitude. It's so tumultuous. There's a lot of anxiety. How do you think gratitude revealed can help people during this time, even more than if you had done it, say, in 2019? Right. Well, because of the fact we're coming out of this pandemic. We have political polarization we've never had before. You've got all the dire reports about climate change. It's easy to understand that like today, there's a lot of despair and disconnection in, in the population. There's all this talk about we're facing a giant mental health crisis. And it's valid. You can understand why people feel this way. So I think that this can be an antidote to that. It's not the total solution, but it's a baby step in the right direction. So if you're ruminating about, you know, things that are troubling you that are negative, it's one way to stop that process. 
to think about something you can be grateful for. And it can be as simple as, I'm drinking this cup of tea right now, and I love the honey at the bottom. It can be as simple as, I've got five fingers that move. It can be as simple as, I'm breathing. It can be as simple as, I'm grateful that i got children. Whatever it is that make you feel good in the moment stops the negative energy from going into your brain. You can't have both going on at the same time, right? You right. can't have your foot on the braking accelerator at the same time. It's just like a law of nature. It's like the hard drive in your computer. You fill it up with good stuff, and there's no room for the bad stuff to enter. It becomes like a physical thing. So fill your heart and fill your mind with gratitude and, and things you're grateful for. And you can slow down the negative news and all that energy that is bombarding us constantly on social media, etc. You need to take a break. And it's a muscle you have to develop. It's not easy. It's hard for me. Again, as I mentioned, my parents being Holocaust survivors, it's easy for me to feel like a victim if something is unjust. You know, mm -hmm. I can go there very easily. And I have to realize that's not good for me. It's not good. And I need to stop that. And how am I going to stop that? Well, what can I be grateful for? Oh, wow, look at the leaves on that tree. Look at the light bouncing off that leaf. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it remarkable? You know, look at the dog coming down the street. What a cute dog. He's got blue eyes. Oh, my God. I mean, how can you not find something that can turn you on and realize that beauty is nature's tool for survival because we protect what we love? That is what beauty is here for. It's not for cosmopolitan. It's not for influencers like Kim Kardashian to manipulate us. Beauty is here for life to flourish. That's so well said. And, you know, my feeling as I ended watching the film, it was kind of like a great ride at Disney World where I was like, oh, that was amazing. I got to go again. I mean, that's just, <laughs> it's really had that kind of feeling like there's so much to take in with it. There is so much. There, there were times when I just paused it and I would have to like type down the, the quotes because there were such amazing things that these brain trusts shared with us. So what do you hope? Do you hope that's the effect that it has on people where they're going to say, I've got to touch this stone time and time again, because it's going to serve me in different ways at different times in my life? I hope so. It is a little bit dense, I, I think, because there are all these like, you know, remarkable people as well as ordinary people that are like sharing your wisdom with you. And you can't certainly absorb it all in one sitting. And the fact that it's beautiful means you can watch it more than once. Cause I think there's a lot that you will see on the second viewing or a third viewing. Same thing was true with Fantastic Fungi, the film I did before. People said they watched it multiple times. You know, lots of times just because they're listening to the science, a lot of times they're just in rapture with the beauty, with nature's wonders. I mean, there's so many different levels you can get into it. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to be something you watch once. You know, a work of art is something you go back to and over and over. Absolutely. It's something that you read over and over. Something that is like for the masses is designed to be homogenized to the point where you only have to watch it once and you're done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is way more than someone can take in on one sitting. Yeah. And it is, it's a gift that is just going to keep giving to us. 
and it's timeless. And, you know, I appreciate you sitting down and talking with me about this today. I appreciate your generosity with your time. And then also just this film. I, I really appreciate what you've created for us. And it's just a truly a life-changing kind of film. Oh, thank you. Look, if there's ever a film that's easy to say you want to share it as a gift, it's giving a gift of gratitude. That was Louis Schwartzberg talking about his new film, Gratitude Revealed. If you'd like to learn more about Louis and his films, find a screening of Gratitude Revealed, or follow him on social media, visit our website at livehappy.com and click on the podcast tab. And of course, we couldn't let World Gratitude Day pass without creating our own way to celebrate it. Be sure to check out our all-new Grateful V-neck t-shirt in the Live Happy store. You can find it when you visit store.livehappy.com and go to the new arrivals section. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one. <laughs>